Welcome to the Clash Act podcast with myself, Eddie Scally. This podcast is brought to you with thanks to Morrissey Motors. Let's hear a quick message from our sponsors. Hello, Martin here from Morrissey Motors, Peugeot Kilkenny. We have the full range of environmentally friendly award-winning vehicles in petrol, diesel, hybrid and electric. Our 208, 3008 and 508 have all won Car of the Year. Our 5008 seven-seater has won SUV of the Year. And not forgetting Ireland's best-selling commercial, the award-winning Partner Van. That's five in a row, Martin. It is, Brian. That's impressive. Contact the lads in Morrissey Motors, Waterford Road, Kilkenny, today. And you're very welcome to this week's edition of The Clash Act with myself, Eddie Scally, and I'm delighted to be joined this week by none other than Kilkenny stalwart Brian Hogan. Brian, good evening. Good evening, Eddie. Brian, eh, tough times at the moment with lockdown, but it's probably great that we get to see the, the hurling back on the pitch. Are you are you back training yourself? Are you having another crack at a senior championship <laughs> this year? No, 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 no. I've, I'm finished a few years now, Eddie. I'm, I'm I'm gone out the other side of the fence. I'm doing a bit of coaching with the with the club inside underage, but that's that's about the extent of uh, uh, extent of my involvement now. There's no special junior team going to get a, a, a dose of Brian at, at all at this year in the championship, no. They've had their they've had their filling, you know, over the years. I think they're uh, they're happy enough that I I I'll stay at the other side of the fence. We're, we're fortunate, I suppose. We've we've a lot of a lot of young lads in the club at the moment coming up through, you know, over the last couple of years. So uh, they don't need an old an old uh, an old geriatric like myself, legs gone uh, to be coming in take up the space. And, and and the coaching side of the game, uh, Brian. Obviously, you know, since you've stepped out and stepped stepped back, I should say, from your playing days, uh, is it is it something that you're really enjoying? Um, yeah, I, 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 yeah, this is my third year involved with the under 15s in the club, um, and I've enjoyed it. it. You know, it's a, I, I'm a selector with the team, so I don't have the workload set as uh, you know the manager has in terms of organising the pitches and and and, uh, and challenge matches and the likes. But uh, yeah, no, I enjoy the, I enjoy you know um, working with the young lads and you know I suppose trying to pass on anything I can you know that would help. Um, like I'll always be involved with my club in some capacity. I always knew I would be, you know. Um, so I suppose just after playing, I kind of thought I'd take a year or so or whatever. But I got, you know, was asked to come in and head out in the 15s and I did. And yeah, I really enjoyed it. So um, yeah, look, it's, it's a bit I've dabbled in just in different different areas. And uh, it's it's fairly time consuming, consuming, but it's it's enjoyable. But, you know, nothing, nothing replaces, obviously, the buzz of playing. But but it's the next best thing to say. And is it something that you could see yourself doing kind of into the future, kind of looking at adult teams, maybe whether it's with O'Loughlin or someone else? Is it is it something that you could see yourself falling in love with and, and getting stuck into? Um, I don't. I mean, I suppose I, I don't have any burning ambition to... to. I know a couple of the guys obviously have, have done, you know, have gone down the route of, you know, coaching and management to the, you know, at the adult level and have, have done quite well at it. I, I, I don't have any... Huge burning ambition to, to to throw myself into that. Uh, you know, I've I've kind of dabbled in it if you like over the last couple of years. I've kind of got you know I helped out with one or two club sides and different things. Just you know, kind of uh, but nothing. Uh, I haven't committed anything full time. You know, and uh, the time commitment is huge. Like you know, and I have other things I suppose you know with work and that kind of thing that I have as well. So I kind of uh, you know I, I I suppose I'm kind of the sort of person I I I, I don't want to unless. I suppose I'm going to give it absolutely 100%. I, I, I hate to commit to something, you know, that kind of and, and I don't think at the moment my head is in that space where I'd be willing to kind of uh, go all in, if you like. But, you know, they're, they're saying that the underage in the club is enough. I'm, I, I'd probably be in the club most even in some capacity. So uh, I enjoy that, you know, when we're with three, three, four nights a week, and that's, you know, it's, it, it, 
keeps me keeps me involved and connected with everyone in the club as well. So it's kind of uh, that's you know for me that that's that's kind of what I you know I'm looking for at the moment and I get a good buzz out of it. So, uh, but look, you never say never. You know that kind of way you just you don't know what's what's in the future. And as I said, you will always you know for sure I can't see myself not being involved in the club in whatever capacity. You know. And and just kind of speaking with your club, Brian, like you're, you're a one club man, like most people in the GEA, you've been playing with the Lachlan Gales pretty much, you know, all your life since a very young age. Mm. But, um, you know, just kind of when I was reading up on you and it's it's, it's well documented, obviously, that your your brother is playing with Clara. Um, yeah. You know, like as a young lad, you, you moved to Clara at, at about the age of 11 or 12, was it? Yeah, I was actually a bit younger than that. I'd say I, was, I think I was about eight or nine when I moved Um so just like there's three of us in the family, three boys in the family, and myself and Barry was the middle guy with Earls or Lachlan's. With it, you know, our family I suppose would be a Lachlan's if you like. Um, you know, both my parents are from town, and we would have lived in the Comer Road and uh, in Glendine, and and, uh, and yeah, we moved out to Clare and yeah, spent you know many a great years out there and loved it, and you know, had friends uh, um, out there, uh, you know, in in, in Clare and. Uh, Keith wasn't. I mean, I suppose Keith was born out of Clare. You know, he, he was born shortly after we moved out there. Um, and where myself and Barry, if you like, went to school in town and John's. Keith went to school in Clara, and you know, the Ryan's are, are next door to us. They're only up the road, so you had you had Lester and, and Liam and Tom, who were all around the same age as Keith, and, and there's one or two other lads down the road as well. So they're all very tight. You know, they're Pally and you're going to school together, and you're 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 you're, you're playing together at home and all that, you know, that's Keith Parrish and, you know, um, he, I suppose, you know, he, he initially did start playing with us purely because I suppose myself and, you know, we were going into the club training and whatever else, um, but, you know, I suppose he made a decision that Clara was his club and that's, you know, he, that's, his friends were from Clara and that's who he wanted to hurt for and, you know, and I, I fully, you know, in hindsight, I look back on it, I have huge respect for him, you know, the young lad being able to, to make that decision, you know, I'm sure the easier thing would have been just to go along with the, what the brothers are doing, but, you know, it's just, uh, he, he, that's what he wanted to do, and, and you know, I have huge respect for him for being able to make that decision at such a young age, and, you know, um, yeah, it's just, it just one of those things, it's a strange thing, I suppose we never thought the seven years between the two of us, I, I, <laughs> and, then, and then all the years going up, you know, never thought we'd, we'd end up in a situation where we'd end up playing against each other, let alone marking each other, Um but obviously that happened, so it was kind of quite an unusual time. Um, I think on, on record of saying it wasn't the most enjoyable at times. I think it was quite tough on the parents, um, you know, in particular, um, because you were damned if you do and damned if you didn't, you know, in terms of who you said, you know, I often said, you know, the father was caught shouting, cheering on Keith. He scored a, if he scored a three or a point, you had the lads going, oh, Jiz, you know, he shouted for Clara, you know, and he's a Lachlan's lad, and if he shouted for me, you know, they say our oh, poor old Keith. The family won't even support. Him. So <laughs> they had to kind of, they kind of had to. I suppose they had to try and keep his mouth shut during those, you know, those one or two matches where we played, and, and not show any kind of allegiance to one or the other. And and privately at home, I'm sure his allegiance was with all Aucklands. Yeah, yeah. Like as I said, my parents would be would be from town. There be there be a Aucklands people, but um, if if Clara were playing and it wasn't the Aucklands, they were shouting for Clara. Obviously, you know, with, with Keith hurling for them. Um, but yeah, they, they would they would be a lot of people, you know. They, they, they're from John's Parish, they, you know, dad and mom. They'd, they'd, they'd very much be involved, you know. I'd say be up in the club, you know, after matches and different things. But at the, at the end of the day, that you know, you, you, you live you live in another parish for to go to twenty years, you know. They've 
great friends out there as well and, and you know you, they have a son who's hurled for the club and they've gone to all his, you know, gone to his underage matches and he's, you know, so you, you have a you have a huge you know connection with, 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 with Clara as well but yeah there would be obviously you know there'd be, there'd be a lot of first and foremost and like every family you know a mum would have a pet and you know this type of way and I, <laughs> like I, 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 I remember the county final uh, the, the, the year you were marking uh, Keith and I, I remember kind of thinking to myself if it was my mum that was watching the game and me and my brother playing with each other, it would have been me that she'd have been kind of hoping was getting the better or the upper hand because yeah. I was the baby of the family. Did, 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 did that ever, like, was there ever a conversation at home in the kitchen the week leading up to the game or did they just leave you alone? Um, no, there was, I, I'm trying, well, I, 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 I moved out, you know, I wasn't living at home at that stage and I kept my distance, um, you know, at the week, you know, or two weeks even, you know, once we knew, once we knew, I suppose once the semi-finals were over and we both knew what was what was going ahead, lying ahead, we just kept our distance, you know, and and didn't didn't really kind of just just because it was it's just it was awkward, you know, and we weren't going to be kind of I suppose it's you know it's not the sort of environment where you you, you think uh, oh you'd be going in and you'd be slagging each other off about oh I'm going to do this and you're going to do that and you know but it, it's different when it's you know you're marking each other in a training session or or in something you know kind of that doesn't mean a whole lot, you know you often say oh I'd love to get a crack on my brother, you know, with a few skills, but. I suppose when it's the county final, and I think he was he was captain, and there's so much at stake, and I think he knows kind of the way I am in terms of you know being competitive and that. I think he knew not to push my buttons, and you know I suppose likewise with him. And um, yeah, like it was difficult, you know, I, it, it was a difficult one because obviously for him, it was you know he was trying to make his own mark, you know, and it was a big deal. But you kind of had to set that aside, you know, the day of the match. It really, you know, you kind of just. I tried to park it as much as possible, and he did too, you know. And I think, to be honest, probably on the day, neither of us kind of set the world alight. We kind of, you know, he hit his threes and hit them well, and, you know, we, we got on a little bit of ball each, but none, neither of us, I suppose, would have, you know, kind of run amok, if you like. So we kind of cancelled each other out, I'd say. Well, that's my recollection of it anyway. But, yeah, it was it, it just, you know, it, it, it was one of those things. You try and park it, and as far as I was concerned, or at least that was trying to be the mindset going out was that, you know, if you like the the guys I was playing for were the guys in the dressing room with me, you know, and I'm sure he was the same in the other side of the, the wall <laughs> with with his teammates. And uh, it was after the match, you know, I suppose. I was obviously devastated, you know, we'd so hard to bloody win a county final in Kilkenny and to get to a county final and I suppose to lose it and uh, lose the final, it's, it's, it's tough to take at the best of times. And uh, I was pretty down, but, you know, you kind of have to you kind of have to, uh, as well, kind of acknowledge that the brother is after having that, you know, the highlight of his career and he was getting the opportunity to go up and pick up the cup and that. And, but I suppose I was fortunate um, in retrospect that the following year then I got to I got to experience that. You know, we got to get back to the county final and that year I was captain. So, you know, in successive years, the two of us went up and picked up the Tom Welsh Cup. So that's a great, that's a lovely, you know, sort of memory, a lovely, lovely thing to be able to, to look back on, you know, that we both got to experience it. At the time, it wasn't lovely. It was pretty horrendous now having to go back up the short walk, back up to the club, you know, and you lost the county final and whatever else. But look, you, you, you park these things after, you know, you move on. It's, it, it is what, you know, it's just one of those things. Yeah, but you, you, as, as you rightly say, you did you did right the wrong the following year and, and you got to experience it. But at the at the full-time whistle in, 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 the, in, the, in the first county final in 2015, I'm sure, you know, Keith's obviously full, full of the beans of life he's just captain a team to a county title you know is it almost instantaneous where he, you, you're kind of exchanging a handshake and saying you know 
at the end of the day, it's family too. So you're saying well done to your brother and he's saying commiserations to his brother, you know, and then he goes off and does the celebrations or was it a little bit later in the in the time? Like, do you remember yourself that, that, that what happened kind of in the couple of minutes straight after the game? Yeah, I, um, I, I, can't, I can't actually remember the final score, but I do remember, I think, you know, I had that feeling, I suppose, in a minute ago or whatever it was that I knew, knowing that Clara kind of had it, you know, and when the whistle went... I remember going down, just you know, kind of it's that disappointment. You know, you hear the whistle, you just know it's gone, and kind of I went down and I kind of on a knee, just you know. Uh, but I remember then kind of Keith turned around to me, coming over, and I kind of, kind of said, you know, you try and pull yourself together, and and if, you know, we came on, we had it, we had a hug, you know, and I kind of you know made sure I just you know I suppose looked to to congratulate him. He was there, you know, he was there, both himself and Barry, you know, were there on all the great days I had with Kenny and everything else, you know. And, the other years were Lachlan, so I was kind of conscious of that. That this, that, you know, um, it was done. This was his day, and you know, we had a, a bit of a hug, and off he went with his with his with his teammates to celebrate, uh, and rightly so. Um, and I suppose I just looked for a couple of you know, good lads. You know, you just want to kind of you just want to kind of get in with your own your own clubmates. Then and the disappointment is there, and you're standing there while you know the the, the winning team gets to go up and collect the cup and say the speech and the commiserate. At that stage, you just kind of want to get off the pitch, you know. So. Um, yeah, I think um, I went back up to the club that night when we drowned our sorrows, and then I, I, I arranged to meet him on the the Monday. I think we were out on the beer, and he, I think they were out on the beer, and she looked, they come into, you know, Clara Lachlan's or joining parishes, you know, we all, you know, there's huge crossover there, you know, in terms of families and different things. And yeah, I met him for a couple of pints, we just, we two of us, he, he went, we went to a quiet pub, we had a couple of pints, and he off, off he went back to celebrate, and he went back to drown his sorrows. That was, you know, that was nice, oh. just to... I, I kind of wanted to make sure I, I, I kind of caught up with him, you know, uh, before things got too bad. And I, I'd um, say, I'd say historically, I, like. I, I, I tried I spent yesterday and, and today kind of trying to see if it had ever happened before in the GA, and I can't, I can't find two brothers that have captained two separate clubs in the same county to to, to county titles. If you get me, yeah, um, yeah, I, I, I couldn't say for definite. I, I hazard a guess that. If it did happen, it certainly didn't happen in consecutive years. I'd be surprised if that, but I, 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 I can't. I couldn't say. You know, I know at the time, I don't. There was one or two people asking, "Now, did that ever happen before?" Or did did lads? I think there was there was a case where there was two, was there two brothers playing that played against each other up in Mayo around the similar time in football. I don't know if were they necessarily marking each other, um, but I just have a memory around that time there's something similar happening. But, but yeah, in terms of uh, both, both I suppose both was getting the opportunity to captain our clubs and, and, and to win it and that kind of thing. I'm not sure. I, I just probably have to ask a, a wiser man than myself now. Yeah, no, I've, 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 tried, I've tried asking a few a few wise <laughs> men and they've, they've all come back with the same one to me that they that, that, that think it's, it, it, it is unique. It's definitely unique in Kilkenny, I can 100% assure yeah, you yeah. that. Um, but it's it, it's a lovely thing for your family to have, I'm sure. Look. Your mum and dad must be super proud of that. Yeah, look. <laughs> it's unique in that... Uh, well, see, two brothers playing off the clubs, you know, it's they normally it's 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 one uh, one club, one family, or one family, one club kind of thing. But uh, uh, so that in itself is unique, you know, um, in some respects. Um, I'd love to have, love to have uh, been able to hurt with them, you know. Uh, obviously, you just Barry in the middle there, Barry never gets to look in. But uh, but yeah, look, it probably is. It's, it's quite you, but yeah, no, look. As I said, in retrospect, looking back now that we're kind of both finishing that kind of thing. It's, it's a nice thing to have, you know. There's a there's, there's my mother, mother has a picture of him with the cup, and beside there's a picture of me with the cup. Just one year later, kind of job. So that's a nice. It is a nice, uh, a nice thing to have. Now looking back on it, it might not have been as nice if maybe we happened to be able to go back the following year and kind of 
uh, right or wrong as I as I would have seen it. But uh, but uh, yeah, you know, look looking back at it now, I suppose it's, it's, it's from a family perspective, it is a nice nice thing to have. Yeah, the 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 two lads of Mayo were the O'Reilly brothers. Uh, one of them was playing with Castlebar Mitchells, and the other ones playing it. with Bree. But uh, they definitely didn't mark each other, and uh, they weren't. I don't think they were opposing. I don't think they, both of them captained their clubs to county titles either. So right, um, right, yeah, yeah, you're, yeah, you're, you're, okay. you're still ahead of them lads. But you've 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 won four um, club senior club titles with your club. You know, two thousand one, yeah. two thousand three, ten and sixteen. Two thousand and one, you were obviously very young at that stage. Um, you know, with, with the club, were you playing in two thousand one? I was. I was centre back. Yeah, yeah. I had the owner's task of trying to marry John Hine that day, um, which wasn't. It was never. A, a simple job, you know. I would have marked him a couple of times when I got brought in with Kenny a few years later, and that you know John was a super, super hurler and was the kind of archetypal centre forward at the time, if you like, you know. Um, both at club and county, he was the he was the standard, you know. He's a really physical, uh, strong guy, you know, but a really good hurler as well, you know. And uh, so yeah, that was my. I came on as a sub the year before um, when we lost the county final to to, to Ballycallan. Um, Came on midfield, uh, I got dropped for the final. Um, but the following year, which is the year we won, obviously I, I, I suppose made sure I wasn't going to get dropped, and I managed to, you know, I nailed my place down early that year, centre back. Um, and um, yeah, we obviously, I suppose we, we we were able to turn the tables on the year before, which was which was massive for us. You know, you always everyone says you always remember the, the first one, you know, and that's definitely the case. You know, I the dash, I suppose. The city club at the time, which had come from, you know, my recollection certainly when I was underage, coming from a, a relatively low base, you know, we kind of dropped down to junior at one point when I was under 14. Uh, we won the under 14, Brian A, Harlan football. Um, and the same year, the club's you know, top adult team, if you like, was junior and managed to win the junior title after a number of, you know, I think I think they took three, three matches to beat Skiak, I think, uh, that year. So, Things were starting to turn, if you like, at the adult grade. Um, and I suppose they went on then when they intermediate the following year and then I think went on, yeah, and went up to senior and managed to hold on there then for a few years. And there was, a, I suppose, a group of us then coming at that stage. We were just coming into minor. And then by 2001, um, we were able to, I suppose, add a senior title, which was, which was massive, you know. And kind of following on from it, like in, in, that was the club's first senior title, 2001. Yeah. Um, and then... Two years later, you're up against Young Ireland's in a, in, a, in, a, in a county final, and Young Ireland's, of course, were the defending champions uh, going into it. Do you remember who you were marking in that game? <laughs> I do because it was, but uh, it was probably the most nervous it was ever in my career. And I think back in it, I had to mark DJ twice. It was obviously the first time I went to a replay. Uh, I went with the draw, so we had to go back to a replay. Um, and you're like, you know, I mean, you don't need to, you don't need to. Explain who DJ is or anything, and and I suppose I think the year before, um, he had hurt, you know they'd beaten. I think it was Donna Magan and you know uh, Noel was on him, and like there isn't a better fullback than Noel, you know, and you know it's it just the caliber. The problem, you know, the problem with Mark the DJ is you could, you think you might have him, uh, you know, you think you might have him, um, and in the blink of an eye he could have two, three hung on the back of the net. He was, you know, I mean, he was lucky. He was a, a once in a lifetime talent. So that was, you know. Uh, I knew going down, you know, I knew the week or two before we, you know, what was the story and I suppose walking down from the club that morning knowing that, you know, who was waiting down there. But, you know, it was it was a, it was a great experience and it was, you know, it was a, it was a massive uh, titanic struggle, you know, the, um, over both games. Um, 
but uh, yeah, it's just you know it's just a great experience as well. You know, being able because again the year before we won in two thousand and one, and we were I suppose inexperienced and caught up with us. We went into Leinster and that great bar team uh, put us to the sword fairly easily. And um, the following year, I remember I think it was them. Um, uh, I think it was I, I think it was Johnstown Peters in a replay in injury time with a goal, if I'm not mistaken. Uh, again, a Titanic battle. So coming back then in, in, in 2003, we you know there was a great group of senior guys there in the club who were really driving it, who had tasted I suppose the lows, you know, and um, they were the ones that were really driving it in 2001. And then by 2003, I suppose there was a, there was a few of us that we started to establish ourselves themselves, and like Alan O'Brien and Gertrude at that stage was really, you know was was a county you know as a county senior, um, and obviously you had Andy there who was the linchpin behind the team and. You know, the two thousand and that kind of thing. So, yeah, we, it was it was, a, it was a great day. Um, you know, the, the, the getting the replay, and getting over the line. Obviously, that second county title, that thing. And just on the on the DJ thing, I remember listening to a guy speaking a number of years ago, and he said that the the brilliant thing about DJ Carey is when you went to hurling matches with some of the greatest players, you wondered if they were going to turn it on today. But mm. what they always said was about DJ was you wondered at what stage he was going to turn it on. But you knew for a guaranteed fact he wasn't going to have a bad game. At some stage he was going to do something, you know, that you just out of the ordinary, something spectacular. As you said, yeah. you could, in the blink of an eye, you could have two, three. But as you, you would have been 21 or 22 leading into that game. Mm. Like, you have two weeks to build yourself up and you're about to mark the, it's fair to say, probably the greatest hurler of all time. Um for you yourself, how do you build your your own? Like, would you be that confident? Would you have been that confident? And I don't mean this in an arrogant way. No, you, no yeah, yeah. Do, do you know what I'm saying? Uh, it's like you yeah. can't have doubts. No, I, I, listen. Um, probably it would have been the opposite with me. You know, in that, you know, I wouldn't have had that in the early stage of my career. I probably wouldn't have. I, I wouldn't have had that. That you know, uh, you know, complete self belief in my ability that maybe some of the other guys. You know that uh, you know would have had so, but uh, what I did enjoy, I suppose, was the challenge. You know, I would have, I had, which probably a sports psychologist would probably tell you it's not a great way to approach it. But I would have had a tendency to build guys up, the guys I'm marking. Uh, I would, in my own head, coming in now, obviously you don't need to build DJ up because you know he's, he's DJ. But I suppose it was a way for me to prevent any complacency setting in. So regardless of who I played, um, you know, DJ obviously being DJ, but whoever it was, I always kind of in the lead up built him up in my head this guy is serious this guy could do this could do that I need to be on my game so I always kind of try to make uh, to ensure that no matter what game it was you know be it a Burn Cup game or a you know a league game or, or, or a county final that I was kind of approaching it in the right way And uh, but obviously with EJ yeah I knew I knew what he was capable of and I, I as I said yeah, you know the nerves were there but it just it was you know once you get out and you kind of get into them once you get your hand on the first ball that was key you know you kind of settle into it a bit but yeah like 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 any of the kind of really really top you know top tier forwards you know with the likes of DJ and, and I suppose Henry and TJ these guys like they, you never you never have them you know even if you're hurling a great game yourself and you feel like you're on you're flying it it only takes one ball you know and it, 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 that's the nature of it the back you only need to miss one ball, you know, as a forward, you only need to get one um, and make a count. And that's, I suppose, that's definitely the difference between the, 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 the great forwards. Is they, they, they don't drop their heads, you know, they always know there's going to be another chance, another ball. So, 
you know, I was conscious of that throughout, you know, and you're nearly, you're nearly more mentally exhausted because you're concentrating so much just trying to ensure that you don't make a slip, you don't get your body position wrong, you know, you make sure that you don't overcommit because, you know, DJ would just, you know, he just, he gives his body and, you know, he was so strong for a guy, you know, people don't actually, wouldn't realise, you know, how, how, you know, how strong he was as well and, you know, the ability to bring other people into the game, I mean, you could hit a hand pass off left or right 40 yards into your pocket, you know, and, so he was a complete package, obviously. You know, I'm stating the obvious there, but yeah, um, yeah I, I don't know. I just, I just, I suppose, I just, uh, I, I tried to focus on what I was going to do um, that day. I remember just trying to make sure that I, I did the couple of things I thought might help ensure that, you know, I, was, I wasn't going into it saying I'm going to keep scoreless or any stretch of imagination, but I, I just felt if I could do the, you know these few things, it, it, it would, it would keep you know get me into the match early and, and then trying to. I suppose help negate the influence he had, and, and look, like 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 anyone, you know, in the full back line, you're you're hugely reliant on the guys outside. You know, it's the the quality of ball coming in. You know, if if, if the if the ball coming in is 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 fifty fifty, I had an I had a, you know I felt I had I had a chance. You know, whereas if they were getting their heads up and picking ball picking DJ out of balls, I was going to be in big trouble. So there was a huge kind of. Uh, there's a huge onus on us making a kind of battle of it out the field as well to try and stop that supply. And like your club form at that stage, you know, you've won a county title with the club. You've 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 marked probably I, I can't overstate it enough. You know, we DJ Carey is DJ Carey, but you you've played on him in two games, the replay and, and obviously the first day. But is it fair to say it was it was the club form, um, you know, like I know you would have been in and around panels at minor under twenty mm. under twenty one, maybe with Kilkenny, but it was your club form that probably brought you to Brian's prominence that he was kind of looking and saying, look, we need to get this guy into the into the county setup." Um, yeah, yeah, I, I, yeah, I'd say, like, I mean, uh, I suppose I was one of those guys who was probably, you know, well, well not probably, I was, I was a late developer, if you like, in terms of, I suppose I grew into myself and as I grew in and kind of got more confidence and, you know, was able to kind of Makes it more, you know, physically, and, and you know, and and, and you know, you, you just people develop at different stages. You often see guys that are exceptional at under fourteen, and they go the other way, you know. And um, and yeah, I suppose winning the county, you know, there's different. I suppose there's different points along my career that I can think of where there were milestones that gave me huge, kind of a huge step forward, a huge burst of confidence, you know, like um, you know, making a, a Kieran's under sixteen panel was was, was one, you know, and, and winning the Coswell Ireland then kind of gave me that kind of belief. Um, and then obviously, you know, I, I ended up two years under twenty one, two years centre back under twenty one for the Kilkenny, the Kilkenny under twenty ones. Unfortunately, we didn't have any success, but you know that in itself then kind of helped you know, along the, uh, you know, as well. But yeah, the, the club, the club, I suppose it was always club for me, and that was the. The, the, you know, I suppose that everything was underpinned by that, and um, getting that county final in 2001 was huge for me because you know it's for me. I, I always, you know, if we were going to win it, I wanted to make sure I was part of it. But then, as you say, doing it again, then backing that up, not being a kind of one-hit wonder, backing it up in 2003. And I mean that as as a, as a team, as a, we always we, we we wanted to make sure that we got back and, and added another one, um, and. Yeah, yeah. I mean, you, you do. You take a certain level of confidence from that, and then we went on and that year, and we, you know, the experience of two years previous. You know, we went on. We won an Ulster championship, and uh, we lost in a replay um, to Newtown Chandram. Unfortunately, you know, that was probably or you know, was definitely a club of Ireland. That, that you know, I mean, they went on and won comfortably in the final, and we 
probably we should have won it. We should have seen him out the first day. Controversial free given again in injury time that allowed him allowed Ben O'Connor to level the match. Um, you know, and that was a disappointment. But you know, again, it was a great experience. Um, and obviously, just it was shortly after that, about a month after that, Brian gave me a call to see would they come into the, the senior panel. And, and and after that, like you know, you've you've had a couple of really really good years with, with your own club. Brian gives you the call to come into the the Kilkenny Senior Hurling panel. You, you know nearly everybody in there because you you've hurled against them at, at mm. club level and whatnot. But it still must be a, a kind of a daunting experience to walk in there to a team that's. I think Kilkenny were after winning probably five or six Leinster titles and whatever amount of All Ireland titles in that space yeah. of time. You know, and and you and you're walking into that dressing room, you know, surrounded by. I'm sure it was nice to have some of your own club men there with you, but yeah. it still must have been very daunting and intimidating, was it? I, it absolutely was, yeah. Look, you know, and I suppose that's something that you try to be conscious of, you know, later in my career when lads are coming in, you know, like the simplest thing that you walk into the dressing room and you're wondering where do you sit? The last thing you want to do is sit down and, you know, uh, one of the lads' spots and they come over to you and say, sorry, because like, <laughs> we're, all, we're all pretty, I wouldn't say superstitious, but, but we like our routines, you know, and everyone... It's, everyone sits in the same spot in the dressing rooms, be it in Crow Park, Nolan Park, wherever, <coughs> Turles. It's funny how you know you, all, you go towards the same seat. Um, so I suppose the seat you take in the first one or two training sessions tends to be the seat you kind of stick with more often than not. And so even something like that, you're walking to the dressing room, you're looking around, and you're saying, "Shit, where do I sit down?" Kind of job and and that. But you know, look, the, the lads in there at the time were great. There was no kind of, you know, they were very. Welcoming you know, and it's just look, you, you come in, and yeah, it did help that we had we had a, I, I had a couple of guys, you know, the, the two, you know, Sean Dowling, you know, and, and Gert and Dash, you know, sure, Sean was great, and went in, Sean was wing back for the kind of time, and you know, and you go in, you, you settle in, you get out the pitch, and you know, that first training session or two, you're at a high, you know, you're out there and you're poking around with lads you would be, you know, looking up to for years, you know, and uh, you're poking uh, case in point, DJ, like you know, you're, you're you're chatting to him, you know, in the dressing room, and he's a guy I would have. You know, looked up to the kids, you know, and and you, you're just what you suppose you're, you're up close and personal with them at that stage. So it's fantastic, you know, it's brilliant. And uh, as you said, with all the other guys, you know, that you would have uh, crossed paths with. So yeah, it is. It's a great experience, a daunting experience. But again, you just you 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 you, you, you try and just I suppose click into gear and, and, and get into it uh, as quickly as you can. It's it's a bit of a, it's a shock to the system for sure. Like it does take you, it absolutely takes you a few weeks to get up to the speed to the speed of it. It's like nothing. Um, the experience prior to that, you know, it's 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 streets ahead of like any kind of anything you'd experience at club level in terms of training, just the pace, intensity, uh, the way things are done, you know. But that's brilliant, you know. You lo- I, I loved it. I love, you know, it's, it's one of the things I missed most when I retired with, with that environment, you know, with that club, with the training sessions down in the park. And, and is it like it's just one of the things that you kind of say, and it's it's and I and I often hear it, you know, said. By, by, by county players after they've retired and even some players on an off-season that the, 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 the level of intensity at a, at a senior county training session with someone like Kilkenny versus regardless of who the club is and this is no offence to a club but the speed of everything that's done at a county level and I, I assume it's because there's you know 30, 35 you know, players that are at a certain level that that everything is done like you know drills aren't breaking down everything is going at 100 miles an hour is, is like is it you know, two steps up from from training at club senior level. Oh yeah, easily, not more. Um, you know, like like the, the, the club level has gone up a, a couple of notches um, since 
instance, when I was playing, you know, in terms of the intensity. But yeah, the county inevitably is, is always kind of a couple of years ahead. And like you, you mentioned it, it's that kind of, you know, it's, it's, the, it's, the, it's the pace that things are done at, you know. Um, and it, they, don't, they don't break down. And guys are just, you know, I mean, you know, Martin Fogg, he would have said it to be, you know, you just need to point the lads in the direction and, and they'll go, they'll do it. You know, it, it, it's almost easier to manage. Uh, an inter-county team because the, the guys there are self-motivated. They just want the tools to to to, to, to maximise their ability. You know that kind of way. Um, um, you've got a lot of you know all the guys in there are of a similar frame of mind. And uh, yeah, it's 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 the pace. I mean, it's the same as I, I often say. You know, it's the same every level you move up in hurling, whether you're you're at junior to intermediate or intermediate to senior or senior to inter-county. It's the pace that things are done at. You know. From, from from as simple as the drills, you know, I remember, you know, the, the simplest, you know, the drills, um, like, you know, you're trained to start at six, seven o'clock. Anyone that can remember going into the, the old, you know, the train sessions when there used to be open door, you go out there, you're trained to be seven, at seven, but from half six, more or less, everyone will be out in the pitch already, warming up, and you'd be poking in pairs. But like, I mean, you would, the sweat would be rolling out of you, it would come out of you by the time the whistle would go at seven o'clock to start a train session. You know, yeah, I remember, you know, James McGarry and, and, and Martin Comerford in particular, they always paired off together. And their, head, their hands would be red raw. They'd stand 30 yards apart, 40 yards apart, and they would hit the ball as hard as they physically could at each other. And, you know, it, I, I used to, you know, if you looked at me, you think those lads don't get on. <laughs> but, like, they're actually the best of friends, you know. And, and like that, likewise, I remember, you know, Peter Barry would be the same. He'd be, he'd be telling you, you know, hit it harder, hit it harder, you know. And, She'd be doing it with Tommy, and he'd be making a competition of it. You know, he'd be how many balls did you miss versus me, kind of job. And this would be before training starts. So it's just that level of intensity, that level of competition, and then it just takes on from there when you go into when the training session actually starts. You know, and again, once 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 you get climatized, once you get used to that, uh, you, you love it. You just grow into it, and it's just fantastic. And, and you know, and you ask anyone that's been in there, you know, they just that's what they love. They just love that kind of that being tested like that, and and. On a Tuesday and a Friday night, and you know, going in, it's going to be hell for leather. You're going to have a serious match, you know, 15 versus 15, and it's yeah, it's, it's brilliant. And it's do you know the way when you go training with the the club, there's there's a bit of crack and a bit of banter and the whole lot, and it, it happens during the training session as well. There's still the crack and banter, and mm. and, and it's it's something I always love, and especially talking to to Kenny players of your own generation, your era, the lads that were doing all of this and winning all these All-Irelands they all say the same you know it's the training was so intense it was hard it was rock but, but was it good crack as well like did you did, uh, did you get a buzz out of it like oh Jesus yeah yeah look I mean the crack was unbelievable sure look I suppose it's it, particularly since I suppose a number of us have retired you'll probably get to see well maybe not so much you Kenny because I suppose Kenny is a small place and everyone knows everyone but look there's plenty of characters in there um, you know from, from, from as, soon, as soon as you go into the dressing room now it's Six in the evening, and you have Rackard throwing out the the bottles of water and the and the marshmallows or the jaffa cakes and that. So the crack has started straight away. Like Rackard was fantastic, you know. You'd be getting, you'd be trying to prize a grip off him or you know or whatever. And sure, you'd be doing a half redevelopment to the night, and you know you'd be winding them up. And uh, you know, so, so so straight from the get go, like you know, you'd be having a crack in the dressing room, you're talking out. But be, at the same time, in the back of your mind, you know what's lying in store and what's lying away for you at seven o'clock. You know, so there's a Absolutely, you're, you're going in. You're, you're going in. You're having a crack with the lads. You're meeting up with the lads. I mean, you're living in each other's pockets, effectively. You know, um, you know they become you know, your best friends because you know, you, apart from the 
whatever, three or four nights you're meeting collectively as a training session, you're probably meeting them in the gym the other nights or you're, you know, you're, you're in communication with them in some capacity. So it's pretty much every night in the week you're talking to one or two of them, if not all of them. So, so you're actually looking forward to getting in and meeting the lads as well as much as anything and I suppose talking shite, you know, and you should, yeah. as you do with, with a group of lads. And so then you go on the pitch and it's, you know, the, the, the banter is nearly from the match, you know, lads be cutting, cutting lumps to each other and you'd be sneering them afterwards like, you know, if one of the lads got the better of them or maybe landed a nice shot, you know, and, <laughs> you know, it's, you're kind of, you're winding each other up then over that or, you know, or maybe if someone pulled off a, a score, a spectacular score, it might be, you know, you'd be having the banter about who was marking this kind of thing. So yeah, look, look it was fantastic. So you go down to Langton then afterwards, you're, you know, you're, you're, you're skipping and laughing in the dressing room again, again, for a racker usually got the brunt of us, you know, and then you'd be down to Langton and you're, you know, you're you're sitting there. You know, nowhere nowhere is better to go. You know, you're kind of sitting, particularly if it was a Friday evening or or a, or a Saturday evening. You sit there in Langton's having a cup of tea after your dinner. So, you know, shooting the breeze as well. So yeah, no, look, it was fantastic. You know, it was, it was you know, and you've um, friends for life. You know, out of us. You know. And was there was there anyone in training that when he when Brian had named the fifteen on fifteen, was there anyone that you'd kind of say to yourself, "Oh, Jesus, not him." You know that you're going, you're going, Mark. Was there anyone that was particularly awkward to Mark or frustrating to Mark? Um, probably, probably, probably the lad I least like, Mark, was probably Richie Hogan. Uh, just uh, for obvious reasons, uh, apart from the fact he's he's, he's an exceptional hurler, it's just he's so bloody small, um, but so strong. He, he was that, he was that kind of uh, you know unusual combination that he was. You know, physically very strong and well able to mind himself. He 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 give it back to you no problem. You know, and I suppose that came from probably having to fight his own corner for years. You know, with Ian Ford or, or, or and and, in, and indeed in fight with us. But you know, I always found any time I tried to tackle him, uh, I always kind of it just it just looked like I was fouling him. I was all, you know I was just it's just awkward, and I ended, always ended up getting it done somewhere. Uh, you know, and probably and he probably mentioned no and Richie, but uh, yeah, I just I just. He, he was he was one of those lads, you know. He was a he was a tricky customer to to to, to mark. I I I've no doubt. I'd say there's many a defender in the country shaking their head, saying, you know, I wouldn't like to be up against Richie Hogan any day of the week. Yeah, yeah, like, you absolutely. know. But but just just with yourself, your your first couple of years in Kilkenny, um, we won't blame you for it. But uh, 2004 and five, <laughs> the the trophies dried up. Um, for 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 a couple of seasons, you know, you, you obviously in your first year, um. You were beaten in the Leinster Championship. I think it was Wexford knocked you out of Leinster, Leinster yeah, Championships, yeah, wasn't it? Yeah. Um, and then you got to the All Ireland final um, against Cork. Yeah. And and it was it was a poor showing as well on on the day, seventeen points to nine, I think it was. Um, yeah. But but I suppose the first couple of years for yourself, you know, without winning an All Ireland title, you know, did it did it did it? It didn't obviously affect you hugely. I'm sure at the time it must have. Um. Yeah. I. I, I I came in uh, in '04 off the back of, I suppose, a couple of really good years with the club, um, and I kind of, I, it, you know, looking back, hindsight is great, you know, and, and there's a couple of things that stand out uh, to me. I, you know, I came in and unusually, I suppose, I went straight into the team, if you like, for the championship. You know, so I came in uh, off the back of the club championship in '03, um, uh, did the training, whatever, and started in, in 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 the championship at wing back. And for me, I was just kind of, I was on the I suppose it was on a an upward curve, and I just thought this is the way it's going. This is, you know, this is it's all gravy kind of job, you know. And uh, um, you know, looking back at it now, I mean, you know, I, I, I clearly the warning signs are there, but but 
I didn't know any better at the time, but but there was there was massive complacency within the group going up for that match. You know, we 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 went up and we stayed. We got the grub in the Burlington at that time, and we headed up to. I think I think we could have been going for something like eight or nine Leinster titles in a row or something like that. We're definitely we were going for a third All Ireland that year, um, and I think we went up to uh, Jason's in Ranla, um, very on Dublin, which is the pool hall. We had about fifty minutes to kill. And we had the whole the whole squad pretty much, and. Uh, we're up there and realised, geez, the bus is due to go and we were nearly late and we're, we legged it back down to the Burlington and got on the bus and went over to Crow Park and hurled the match. And, you know, looking back at it now, the following year was completely different, you know, and I suppose that shaked, shook things up. But for me, in hindsight, it was probably the best lesson I got. It was a lesson I took with me in terms of the match itself then and... The way Wexford approached us, they, they ran us all over the pitch. They came with a tactic where they were trying to pull our half-back line out of position and it worked for the first half. Um, and, you know, we got the grips of it uh, and in the second half, we pulled it back and I suppose we had the match won going into injury time uh, until Nick Jacob got that that goal um, that everyone remembers. But inevitably, when you lose... You know, there's changes. That's the way Brian has always operated. You know, he's he's he tended to, you know, to wield the axe. Uh, and rightly or wrongly, he felt the team needed, you know, didn't deliver. So there was going to be changes. And I was one of the guys that lost out. Um, and it took me a couple of years to get back in. You know, um, and that was you know that was difficult and whatever else. But I suppose one of the lessons I learned for, from that that match in particular was that. I would never be pulled out of the. I, I would never be pulled somewhere I didn't want to go. Um, you know, um, in, in terms of the match itself, you know, and that's something I took with me. That I always made sure that, you know, if I was going left or right, it was because I wanted to go there, and and, and that's where I felt the ball was going, and not because my man was doing extra white. You know, and I suppose that I'd have enough confidence to try and, you know, back myself in, in, in what you know in the in terms of you know uh, the movement that he needed to make, and that's you know that was. When I did get back in, I suppose that's something I brought with me, you know. So, to put it in context, their wing forwards are switching, and we just follow them rather than holding our positions. Um, but at yeah, that so at again, that time, was, the, you know, it, it was something like that I brought with me then when I did get, eventually get back into the team. Yeah, but like that 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 day, I remember the game. I remember Mick Jacobs' goal. I can't remember how the ball got into him. I do remember the way he finished it. It was a. Uh, I think it was, it was a free. I think it was a sixty-five or free. I think they dropped it in, and uh, Peter caught it. Peter Barry caught it under a on the line and he took a step out to the left and went to clear it and he flicked uh, it off his hurl blocked him down and it kind of a freak, it was a freak way he blocked Peter and the ball bounced on the ground flew, flew straight back up into his hands and he just swivelled and stuck it in, up, in the, up in the top of the, in the roof of the net you know yeah but it was it, it was I, I suppose in fairness to Wexford that day it was I don't remember seeing teams setting up the way they'd set up before it was it was yeah. it was a pretty new tactic and I think one of them's one of the one of the ways they were doing it was, as you say, the two wing forwards switching wings, um, yeah. sprinting, and I and I think the idea was that you'd leave a hole where you were, exactly, and they'd put the ball into that space. That, and that's, that's exactly it. Um, they backed that um, their two wing forwards as soon as they said they switched, ran across the field, um, we follow them, and exactly that left a gaping hole in both sides, and Fitzhenry just put the ball into that space, and inevitably, if I'm marking someone and he makes a run. I'm reacting to him, but he's already got five yards on me. So I'm not going to make that up, you know, really, you know, uh, to be honest, you know, no one's going to make that distance up. You're always going to get to get to 
the destination second. So the advantage is with the forward. And obviously for Henry, you know, being the goalie he was, he was able to drop that ball into that zone. And the lads were just coming and picking the ball as it bounced up for them. So they were winning primary possession from puck outs, which was huge. You know, were able to then decide what they were doing with the ball. And, and the team obviously knew what was happening. And that, that was the thing. You know, what we would have done following that, you know, would have been, you know, you'd see it happen once or it happened twice. And you'd react. You'd make a decision on the pitch what you were going to do. And it wouldn't happen again. At that time, I suppose, that kind of movement and tactics weren't really part of the game. You know, it was still very much lump the ball down and, you know, you, uh, on top of the wing forward, wing back, you know. So that was the first time or one of the first times we saw that kind of movement. Obviously, Cork were, were introducing it as well. Um, so, yeah, we didn't... Uh, ultimately, the, the key point was we didn't react, you know, for 25, 30 minutes. And, you know, we, we were... We were were bet, you know, we're running over and back across the field and not getting our hands on the ball. And, and you know, that was full credit to Wexford, you know, they came with a game plan and the executors, you know, and uh, as I said, it's a learning for me was that you think on your feet, you know, that not to be not to be looking for someone else to come up with a solution, you know. In hindsight, all we needed to do was kind of one time was to kind of say, all right, you know, I'm going to I'm going to follow them a certain distance and then and then hold my position, kind of tuck in a bit closer to centre back, that I'll pick up the the other wing forward coming the, the opposite way. Yeah. And that would, you know, if you did that once or twice, all of a sudden their puck out strategy breaks down, and that's it. You haven't, you know, um, just having that confidence to do that. And again, as I said, that's something we brought with us, and that's how I suppose when we came up against Cork in particular and Cusack and their puck because they they definitely didn't want to put balls down on us. You know, they knew they hadn't got ball winners that could compete compete with us. It, it, it was a bit of a game of, of, of you know chess or a cat and mouse with them, you know. Yeah, and it's like. It- it is. It is the way Heron's going. You know, it's getting. It is getting very tactical. I think. I think it started to kind of rotate. You know, it started to kind of evolve at that point. Um, you know, teams had to come up with new tactics to beat sides. You know, Kilkenny were very big and very good in the air, and it was. Mm. It was one of the things that had to be chased down. But but obviously, you learned an awful lot from that initial season and from that game against Wexford. But you know, you take 06 through to twenty fourteen. You you've you've been lucky enough to to win seven All Ireland titles in that time. Was there, you know, was if I was to ask you to pick out one of them seasons or one of them, you know, I know you have a couple of All Stars in there, but was there a season in it for you that you felt, you know, that was the season, you know, you enjoyed the most, or maybe the All Ireland final you enjoyed the most? Was there any that stood out more than others? And I know the usual politically correct question is you always remember your first one, this type of thing. <laughs> but was there one that kind of for you yourself that you'd say, you know, that was that was really special there. Um, yeah, there is. Uh, I suppose eleven for me would be the, the big one for obvious reasons. I suppose Captain and Kilkenny. I mean, you know, like any lad growing up, your dream is to hurt for Kilkenny. You know, um, uh, and I was no different. You know, and you'd have been out the back garden poking around after. You know, I remember my first memory is ninety one. You know, and like you hear you putting the ball in the net, and I remember coming out Crow Park with the father and the brother, and you know. You, you know the tears and all that kind of stuff, and, yeah. you know. But so that was the ambition. But I, I never really kind of dreamt of actually captain and Kenny. I just you know, that was something that was, you know, was you know fairy tale stuff. And uh, it, it was it was it was as much um, I suppose being captain, but and winning the other. But the role I suppose I played, you know, I went on and won my first All Star that year. I made sure I. Literally, I could not have done anything more that year on a personal level. 
to to get myself in in the shape I was in in terms of being as sharp as I was. Uh, you know, I just you know I, when I look back now, I was you know I look at some of those. I was like, Jesus, like, you kind of look you look at yourself, kind of you don't even you kind of don't recognise yourself in a kind of a strange kind of way. You're 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 just I was so focused for the whole year in terms of what I was what what I wanted to to do, and I wanted to make sure that. You know, I uh, I was an integral part. You know, I really made it as much of a contribution to that as I could. You know, and I, I that year, you know, as I said, winning uh, my first All Star, uh, the captain winning the All Ireland, getting back, obviously having missed the year before, and the disappointment of you know missing the All Ireland year before, and you know watching the lads. You know, um, we we lost the tip, which is hard to take, and everything else. So it's a culmination of all those things. You know that. 2011 was just, you know, it was just an amazing year. You know, it really was, just, um, yeah, just phenomenal. And then I suppose the better, I obviously get married at the end of it was amazing. <laughs> that, <laughs> that was the highlight. Well. Uh, but it's, you know, like Tippett had stopped the five in a row run, like, mm. and I, I remember the the day that day. It was, it was, a, it was a hard watch. Like the the one kind of comfortably enough in the end in 2010, but it was it was a hard watch for anyone that supported Kilkenny as well. And I thought, yeah, yeah. look, you know. I can say it anyway, but I thought some of the antics of the Tipperary players on the day on the pitch, you know, a little bit of showboating, a little, and I kind of thought, you know, you'd you'd just love to bend the hurl off the back of one of them, you know, <laughs> you're not allowed to, you'd be arrested if you did it from the stand, <laughs> but it it must have been that little bit sweeter. I know you've had a wonderful year, you've you've gotten your all star, you've played so well, but it must be that little bit sweeter when it's Tipperary and you're kind of, you know, you stop the five in a row, but you know, we're back and we're going to drive on from here again. It must have felt that little bit sweeter as well that it was Tip in the final. Oh, listen, 100%. I mean, at that stage, there was a real, there was a real rivalry uh, there, you know, a real genuine rivalry between us, you know. Um, you know, obviously winning in 09 was, was fantastic because, you know, it was the history there that you were being told about in terms of Tip and what they did to Kenny and yada yada. So being able to kind of, you know, as a group, put our own mark on that and kind of say, well, not an hour watch kind of job, you know, we would have had a couple of good battles with them and, um yeah, I mean, you know, in the lead up to that, they were coming, you know, and we were listening to that. We were listening to the fact they were coming and we wanted them, you know. And then 10, you know, was, yeah, it was, it was a huge disappointment, you know. Um, just losing out Ireland, you know, it's um, it sounds very, I suppose, arrogant to say it. I'm trying to say it in a way that, um, <coughs> there's something James McGarry said, that, you know, is that like the year, you, you know, it's a waste of a year if you don't win the Ireland. Now, if you say that in any other county, they'll, they'll, you know, the the ball case, yeah. But but I suppose what we were trying to say was that you know, it, it it's not acceptable. You know, we were trying to set the standards amongst ourselves and we and we, we knew, you know, I, like in eleven, like there didn't need to be much said, you know, on the Friday night before the Allard in eleven. you know, we we were fortunate, we were great leaders, great men in, in it, within the group that we had, you know, and obviously as captain I needed to say a few words, you know, in, in Friday night. There wasn't really much that needed to be said. Lads Lads wanted tip, you know. They they they, they were hoping the semi final tip would win. That's who they wanted, you know. And that's because that, you know, you, it's the nature of the of the lads, you know. They, I don't need to name them, but you you know you, you know the guys that were on that team. But they, they wanted the battle. They wanted the you know they wanted to the, 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 the set the record straight as they saw it. And you know we were great lads for kind of you know. Fill in the bitterness tank if you let you know. I think they want to take a phrase in the Munster rugby team. You know, you you find you find something. Um, you know, there's. I remember in 2013 we we're on the stag and 
post the All Ireland, you know, and Clare were the champions, and everything was written. Hurling was changing, and this is the new dynasty. You know, these were the new crop, and we were on a stag, and I think uh, I think it was Brian Dowling's stag, and we were down at Wexford, and it was I don't know what month it was, probably October, November, and even with a few points in it, we were nearly goading each other about, you know, are we going to, are we going to, you know, are we going to let this happen? Is this going to be what's the story, you know, and kind of. Maria, whoever was playing in the position of the lads, you know, that was like the Mark lads you were talking to, you were winding him up, but you were kind of doing it for yourself as well. So that when you come back at 14, you're half wired. But that's kind of, you know, that's kind of some, some of the, you know, a bit of the crack you'd be having as well, you know. And uh, but yeah, no, look, in, in, in 11, it was, it was, it was, it was about winning Ireland first and foremost. But obviously, it was all the sweeter the fact of what was tip. No, a hundred percent. There's, there's one. The, your last All Ireland final in 2014, and I and I want to touch on this, and we we'll go on to some light hearted stuff then for a few minutes. But the, I, I watched that game again a couple of weeks ago. It's it was on one of the shows. I don't know what channel I was watching with lockdown. I could have been watching it, but that game came up. It was the drawn game, um, mm. and like it's it's it's. I can't remember who the the guy that was talking about the game, but he was basically saying it was one of the best, if not the best, All Ireland final of all time. But like, I just want to kind of take you to the, 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 you know what instance I'm going to ask you about, but you're in the 69th minute and 52nd yeah. second of an All-Ireland final. And I actually brought it up again today in work and showed one of my friends it on a computer and I said to him, right, this is the eight seconds to go in normal time. The referee signaled one minute of injury time. You catch a ball and you're coming straight out from the half-back line, running straight yeah. from what I could see. And then you get clattered, Right. And the referee blows the whistle, and to this day, and even again today when I looked at it, I said, he's going to signal this free for Kilkenny this time. But he gives the free to tip, and I'm going to ask you in a second what was the free for, but my initial reaction was, how the God you didn't react, that you didn't turn around to the referee and throw your hurl on the ground and say, you bloody idiot, that's, you're pointing the wrong way. Because I know if you'd reacted... The free would have been moved up because the referee was in one of them days, and it would have been brought yeah. up, and Bubbles would have stuck it. It was it Bubbles Dwyer that missed the free. It was yeah. he, 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 his yeah. free, and then obviously I think that might have been the first year of Hawkeye as well. Was, yeah. um, thank, so thank God the, the the gods were aligned for you. But we we'll go to the free first. Yeah, um, I, what was the free for? I, I don't know. Um, I I mean my recollection of it was as you said, I won the ball the half back line. I remember it was less than a minute left um, and it kind of I knew I, I can't remember it was a bonner or someone was in front of me and I knew I could I could I could get past him and it kind of opened up in front of me and um, was it was it Ricey it was out to my out to my right I remember I, I remember taking a couple of strides and putting them um, kind of putting the ball in the hurl I just I, I looked up I knew Ricey and I put on the hurl and when I looked up again Parag Mar had pushed up very quickly so when I looked up again, Parik had gained several yards. So I knew I was coming into a collision, and like I don't like I don't want to be. Um, look, I think it was Barry Kelly reffing that day, if I'm not mistaken. And uh, Barry, you know, I, I would have disagreed with Barry on a number of occasions in terms of the way his interpretation of different things, you know, over the years. Um, and I kind of had this. I, I, I kind of knew I needed to get rid of this ball because I just, you know, I as in I knew Ricey, I think it was Ricey out to my left, and I tried to, I, I tried to um, half pull out of the tackle, you know, but Parry got me, and you know, uh, as I was trying to release the ball, um, 
And I kind of thought to myself, it's a free in. They always have a free for us. Yeah. Um, like you say, but when I, when I got up, I saw Barry pointing it away. I just remember going, I just remember going, but, you know, in my, in my own head, I, I can't believe this. Um, but just thinking, fuck, get back into position, get back into position. Uh, you know, I was kind of, look, at that stage of the match, you, had, you barely have a breath and you're left in you anyway, you know, to, to be given out or whinging. So, um, so that was kind of, it was, it was just a, yeah, there was a lot of emotion, but I certainly didn't think it was, uh, it definitely wasn't, well, I felt no, it, no, it, it, it was a free in. I felt, if anything, it was a free the other way. And to be honest, most refs at that stage in a match would have been reluctant to blow any whistle and probably would have just let the play develop, you know, particularly when it's out the middle of the field and there's nothing, you know. However, he decided it was a free in and, uh, yeah, the look of God through his Hawkeye there because whether it was over or wide, I'm sure the tip lads would be arguing till today, you know, that it was over, even if it was 40 yards wide. But uh, as it was, it was only a couple of couple of inches wide. But thankfully, Hawkeye were, were able to, you know, was able to confirm it was, it was, the wrong side of the post for them so um, I can confirm it was enough. a couple of millimetres wide um, I think we'd, we'd be fair yeah, definitely, yeah, definitely yeah, was, yeah but you know yourself now if, if that was left to the umpires to decide it could have gone either way and oh. even if it had gone our way and they waved it wide you, you, you'd have lads swear oh, no, for, for, for history and it's all going over so at least you know thank, thankfully you know Hawkeye had been brought in that year and it was under no you know there was no kind of dispute in the fact it was wide um but yeah, it was yeah, it was uh, look. I suppose you know. In high, look, we went on obviously, and we 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 corrected it in the replay, and the lads put in a fantastic performance. It's small margins. On one side, I'm thinking, thank God, it was wide as opposed to we got another day. On the other side, I'm thinking, second, if we could have finished it that day, that would have been it. I would have finished my last game. You know, on a, on a selfish level, I would have finished my last game with Kenny on the field to play as it was. It wasn't to be, but um, because the important thing was that we, we we managed to finish the job the second day and and and, and won the match, you know. And like like your retirement was announced, you know, a couple of months after it, um, but you know, Kieran Joyce replaced you for the replay, yeah. um, and I think I think Kieran got man of the match in the game. He um, did, yeah, yeah. In the replay, and standing, yeah, yeah. Kieran was standing that day. Do you know? So it's. It, I know there was three or four. There was three or four changes made on the day, but there was at the time in Kilkenny it was suggested leading into the first day that you were carrying a, a back injury. It, like, is there any was there any truth in that at the time? Were you were you kind of carrying a bit of an injury at the time as well? I I was yeah I the I, I hurt my back um, I think a couple of weeks previous. Um, it was the first time actually really in my career I ever had any back problems. Um, thankfully, you know. Um, but yeah, I I I just I just um, I, I did something to my back. I think it was I think it was a week after the Ireland semi final, and uh, my back just went into spasm and just completely locked up. And I wasn't able to train um, more or less. I wasn't able to train really, to be honest. You know, I I was getting treatment daily, and it was kind of feeling okay. And I remember going up to Karen House. And we all know, we all knew, like, Carrington House is the big one. Like, every, before every all Ireland, you go up to Carrington House on the Friday and, you know, you have the mother of all matches on the Sunday on a Saturday morning and that's where it's make or break, you know. Um, and um, I felt great. I, I, got, I was up, I was in with the lads an hour before we were even supposed to meet up and I got a light needling on the back and got a, you know, extensive rub and a whole lot and, 
felt good and uh, we went out and we were on the pitch and we were doing the warm-up and then we started the pucking and started getting into it and the hand started going up but next thing I could feel the whole back starting to lock up on me and um, I was obviously devastated because the fear was then that that was it like if I couldn't train that day well then the likelihood was Brian wasn't going to pick me um, but I ended up getting two injections in the back um, about about a week and a half before the All-Ireland. So we came back from Carton House. I went into Odd Even and uh, there was a guy, a surgeon there. He gave me two injections and I look at Havis, that sorted it. <laughs> um, that, got, that settled everything down, uh, rested for a few days and was able to train kind of for, I was able to get, you know, one or two of the, the last one or two matches and then the kind of the week run into the All-Ireland so I was able to train. But, you know, I wasn't, you know, looking back at the unfortunately, the first half, I was just, I was, you know, I looked, I made myself, I made myself look, look at us there one day and just, you know, torture myself and uh, post the, the match. And, you know, I, I, I just wasn't, I was, you know, I was, a, I was a yard off just in terms of a couple of balls where, you know, it just wasn't as sharp as you'd like to be. And uh, Bonner got in twice, you know, winning balls and, and that kind of thing. And, you know, I felt like I grew into the match in the second half and felt, you know, I was finishing the match strong. But, you know, look, I suppose Brian was there to make the decisions. It, 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 that's his his job, and he was he was 100% right. You know, he picked Joycey. Joycey was flying and training and mad to go, and he took his chance, you know, when he got in and, and obviously vindicated that decision with the man of the match. But, yeah, look, it was, it, was, it was just one of those things, unfortunately. And it was still a seventh All-Ireland title for you as well. Exactly, um, yeah, yeah, exactly. And look, it's a, the thing I had to kind of give myself, you know, I, I had to talk with myself, you know, kind of say, well, look, it's easy to talk about the panel and you know, this, that, and the other when you're on the team, but when you're at the other side of it, you kind of have to walk the walk, you know, and that's it, exactly. You're, you're all competitive by nature. We all want to be playing, but, you know, you kind of, at the end of the day, the, the most important thing was that, you know, we won the match, you know, that we were there as a squad, and that was the key, and we did, you know, and we, uh, you know, the lads that took the field on the replay, you know, they, they put on an ex- you know, a real exhibition. They really kind of put it to tip and tip it, no answer. Yeah, and then, Kind of a couple of months pass, you, you obviously had it in the back of your mind you were going to do it. And as usual, a forward has to steal the limelight from a defender. <laughs> so you, you go and announce your retirement. Someone said it to me that uh, my old friend Taggy got in there three minutes ahead of you. Is that the way it worked? <laughs> uh, yeah, it was funny because like, I suppose in the course of a couple of months, five of us left and we're actually we're still in the WhatsApp group together. And, you know, the... none of us none of us had actually spoken or none of us knew that the other was going to retire. But, we all coincidentally had all had all our minds we all had made our minds up at the beginning of the year that we knew it was going to be our last year so it's kind of funny that way but yeah I remember I remember having the message typed out into the WhatsApp group to the lads kind of saying look lads you know been, it's been fantastic and you are oh, the usual stuff and best of luck the years ahead and you know the, that's me done kind of thing and I was typing the message out and next thing you know, Ping came in and I just I looked up and second taggy right lads you know been emotional, it's been great, you know, all the best, I'm off. <laughs> I'm like, ah, Jesus Christ. So, like, usually I was about to press send, so I was like, right, Becker's gone. And of course, then Taggy has left the group, so he didn't even know. So, so, you, so waited, you sent waited, it into I waited 20 minutes, and then I pressed send, sent mine, and I rang him. I said to him, well, I heard you let you retired, you know, and oh, oh, yeah, 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 fair play to you. Yeah, 
Myself and Tag is a good mate. And yeah, it's, it's, uh, it, you know, it's interesting how none of us kind of even post the All Ireland, you know, over the point or none of us had kind of mentioned it never came up. But uh, yeah, you know, I suppose we're all, we all kind of felt it was the right time, you know. Yeah, I remember at that time, I remember when Kenny came back training and I remember somebody was interviewing Brian Cody and they asked him had he thrown his phone away to stop uh, receiving <laughs> phone calls or text messages from players because I, I'm sure it was a really tough time for, for Ryan. I'd say every time he seen the phone ring and he was contemplating whether to pick it up or not but it it, it was lovely and you, and you did have a, a brilliant time but I, I always did because I'd heard that a couple of years ago and I wasn't true if it was, sure if it was true that, that literally you with the message text ready to hit send and then Taggy <laughs> banged in his message to yeah, say he was yeah, retiring Yeah, Taggy's, you know, his feel his and then Taggy left the group and uh, uh, it was funny, yeah, yeah. No one had suggested that it was your heart broke that Taggy was gone and you, you, you couldn't you couldn't <laughs> face another year without him. No, 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 no. Trying to get away from I was sick of sick of looking at looking at him trying to bust, show off with his dance moves and that, you know. So I you tell you I had enough, he was showing us all up. But uh <laughs> Just, just kind of switching away from 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 your own career and 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 and, and, and your own kind of club career. There's, there's been a couple of rule changes, uh, you know, in the off season there um, in Hurling. Um, mm-hmm. Now, you know, people have been coming out, you know, quite vocally against them. Um, I know the Limerick manager. Um, he he definitely won't be getting any Christmas cards off any Galway players after his comments after the game on Sunday. Um, like, just just looking at the rule changes themselves. The first one. The cynical foul, the Simbin rule. Would you, you? I haven't seen anything yet in any of the games where I'd say, "Oh God, you know, for the for the Simbin and that that it's 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 going to hurt the game." That rule itself, would you be pro or against or indifferent to it? Um, I'm always kind of reluctant to see. I'm always, you know, I never like seeing the rules. I you know been tinkered with and changed continuously, which is what it feels like over the last number of years. You know, we have a we had a situation where we've had a product, if you like, in terms of hurling, which is the envy of all sports. You know, Gaelic football, soccer. Every, you know, it, it, the, the, a good hurling match. There's no comparison. You know, and I, you know, I don't know. Maybe I'm a, a traditionalist. I mean, I never. I didn't see a huge amount wrong with it. You know, everyone, you know, obviously the, the cynical play, you know, you look at you, when I think of cynical play, I think back to maybe Sean Kavanagh's tackle for Tyrone where he hauled, uh, I can't remember who was down the square and that, you know, and there's, yeah, look, there was a little bit of a comment creeping in. Um, I think, you know, possibly there was, there was an opportunity to look at it in terms of, you know, if a guy is clean through on goal and he was hauled down. But, you know, like, I mean, I, I remember instances where you know, when we were hurling where there's guys, I mean, Larky going through for a goal and I remember a hurl flying past him, you know, from uh, one of the tip lads, you know, trying to <laughs> trying to hit him with a flying hurl and this kind of thing, you know, is that cynical play? And it's, you know, I'm a, it's, I, 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 I didn't feel the, the cynical play was, was that much of an issue that it warranted a change in the rules, you know. Um, you'd have to see how it's going to play out, how it's going to impact in terms of the overall Low the game. My, my, my bigger issue is that at the moment the game just seems to be so stop start that there's no fluency to it. And is that um, is that down to the advantage rule change now? It's yeah, yeah, it is. I, I again, like I don't understand why they've changed that rule. You know, um, the whole idea about you know it, it's common sense. You know, like the, the best refs, the refs we love hurling under were the guys who just you know you didn't know who they were refs in the matches. In like they just let the game flow. You know. Um, they they rest by common sense and 
hurling is an instinctive sport. Like it drives me mad. Like the water breaks at the moment, um, because it's just another opportunity for for the game to stop. You know, for guys to be kind of pulled. You know, I used to the thing I used to love about hurling was thinking my way through. You know, thinking your way through the match, the game inevitably like you go with the best laid plans, and after ten minutes, the game takes on a life of its own. And you know, you think you think back to some of those games where players just start playing off what they see in front of them, as opposed to you know, obviously in like oh six we had great tactics and our guys in great plans of what we we're going to do with Cork and then the ball was thrown in and we just lost our heads and when it just you know, attacked them if you like, you know, in terms of assault of them and tackle wise and you know, you can think of various matches like that where players, you know, teams just you know, it the games took on a life of their own and they're very much stop starts at the moment, you know, with the water breaks and with the constant the amount of freeze, you know, the obviously being referenced the physicality, I mean, you know, we've I, I don't see any major physicality. You're not allowed, from what I can see anyway. You know, it's it, it, it. They're trying to, trying to remove any of the kind of dangerous tackles. Like I mean, you know, like Richie getting sent off and again tick here. I mean, like that was just you know, it's a contact sport. It's played. It's one of the fastest field sports. Literally a split second late or early. You know, if you're just that middle of a second off, a tackle that could be a great tackle looks look at bad tackle, you know, and unless you're willing to kind of accept that you, you run the risk of, of having one or two of those tackles, you know, you know, if you're trying to eradicate those, well, then you're just going to eradicate any sort of kind of tackles, you know. Um, so I, I, I do think they're, they're trying to, they're, they're over-officiating uh, at the moment, you know, and I think it's a problem, you know. Um, like, I mean, I watched the, the tip, the tip um, Cork match and it was dreadful. Really hard to watch, and I, I, I say that as a, as you know, as a person who loves hurling, I couldn't wait for hurling to get back on. But like, I mean, you know, it was a glor- like it was a glorified challenge, challenge match, you know, and it, it was it, there was no intensity in it. I mean, you had a situation, I think there was three or four times where the Cork guys were were blowing for overcarrying. They were holding onto the ball so long, looking up the field as to where they're going to place the ball that they overcarried the ball. You know, there was such a lack of intensity uh, in that match. You know, um, but is it like that? I, I watched that game as well, Brian, and it was it was a horrible game to watch. There's no point in saying yeah. it wasn't. But like, part of me, I, I don't want to blame it all on the rule changes. And this is this is genuine. Like, I, like I, I read the rule for the advantage rule, and it basically says mm. the referee stops the play unless there's a goal opportunity or the fouled player is in clear space. So if I'm making a run at you and you high tackle me, but I break the high tackle and I get away from you, the yeah. referee's allowed to let play go on. Yeah. So. What I, I would say is there's two things that play here. Number one is the referees are over-refereeing the game. They're blowing the yeah. whistle unnecessarily um, because they can allow the advantage to go on. If I've broken the tackle, let it play on. And then the second thing is with no league finals this year, and you know I, I don't even think there's relegations. Maybe there is, no. but there's no finals. There's no relegations. Like Are they just glorified pre- friendlies that we're playing anyway? And you, Do you know what I mean? Like the, yeah, yeah. It's, it's, it's that part of the problem as well. Yeah, I was going. To, I was going to like come on to that. Like it is. It's very. It is. They are. There's, there's no two ways about it. I mean, there's nothing at stake, you know. And you know, with the guys coming back after such a long layoff as well, like the risk of uh, an injury is heightened, you know, because you don't have that time to condition guys, you know. So you're going into straight into matches after less than three or four weeks of training, you know. So. You do. There is a high, a high risk of it, you know if you're picking up injuries and different kind of things, and there isn't anything to play for. So very much, I think it was accepted that you know they were going to be 
you know, glorify challenge matches. And there probably isn't, you know, we, we don't want to, you know, you don't want to fall into the, the you know, the, the, you know, the, run the risk of kind of reading too much into the games, you know, and reading too much into the form because they really, I think, they'll, they'll bear no resemblance to the championship when it comes to it, you know. Um, I think as the league moves on, you'll see more of the teams kind of throwing, you know, experiment, looking at other players and experimenting and, you know, giving the panel a run. And, um, so, yeah, from that point of view, I think it's, it's, it's you know, like that match that I mentioned, like if, if that's the way like Cork are going to approach the match, you know, I know there were, you know, there's a few of the, the lads were talking them up, you know, Mark Landers and a few were saying they were impressed. You know, there was, there was elements of us that were impressive from a Cork point of view, uh, you know, uh, areas that they've struggled on for, you know, previous years but ultimately like when that intensity is ramped up um, it, you know it's the, the old saying like it's, it, it, plans are all great until you get a punch in the face you know um, going out and, and trying to play that kind of formulaic game where everything is structured when they come up against the likes of the Limerick or Kilkenny who play that high intensity high press game all of a sudden you know you're, you're, it, it, it's a lot harder to get your head up and play that perfect ball and then the guys inside who are used to having that perfect ball have to have to go and fight for it, and they're not used to that, and that's where that has that's where that has broke down for Cork over the last number of years. So, you know, that's the, something that you know potentially could, could come back to haunt them later in the year. But yeah, I mean, like the league is look, it's, it's great to have hurling on the TV. We've been waiting all waiting all year for it, but I think at the same time, and the other side of it as well, the refs they always tend to over officiate in the first couple of rounds. You know, they're, they're whatever they're told by HQ. They take out the heart. They come down hard initially, and then inevitably there's a bit of a, a, a you know a backlash, a, a backlash, and, and and they kind of tend to ease off. And then the way they officiate the championship is, is unrecognisable from from the way they do the league. You know that tends to be the way. But I just think you know again, I just think why the hell do we have to keep going through this every year? There's not any you know do we have to go jump through these hoops every year? No, it's it is, and and, and like, you know any of the lads I've spoken to have said the same thing that it seems every year. A Congress, a new rule is invented. Um, well, you know, there does seem to, there does seem to be. Sorry, I, I, I get it. I don't know. I've no involvement. But I, 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 I get the sense that, that from certain individuals, there's an agenda. You know, and they're trying to drive their own agenda. You know, and like changing the ball, the colour of the ball. Like, I mean, was, it, was that really such a such a, a huge issue that warranted? You know, okay, fair enough. Right, we got we went to a few nighttime matches. There might be an argument made for it. You know, and there's. There's things like that that are, are cosmetic. That you know, what what was the rationale? What was the reason for that? And sometimes I just think is it, is it certain individuals trying to drive their own agenda, and is it for the betterment of the game or not? You know, and, you know, you're you're kind of wondering, from, you know. No, it's, it's, it definitely does uh, confuse me um, as to where or how they come up with these things. And, and, and rightly so, like the yellow ball is another prime example. There's kind of three small questions I have for you before we finish up, and these are kind of quick-fire ones. You're going to... Uh, I, I, I don't know if this is myth or true, but I'm going to ask the question. I was reading an article a couple of weeks back, and they're on about the coolest customers in, in, in sport and whatnot and one of the ones that I came up on was Brian Hogan and I kind of laughed because you didn't strike me now as someone like Jackie Turrell that would be strolling around in, in pink jeans and a yellow t-shirt but where it was was it it said I don't know if it was Jackie that pointed it out or somebody else but they said that you would actually fall asleep on a bus travelling to an All-Ireland <laughs> final is that true? <laughs> yeah yeah I was uh, yeah <coughs> I, was renowned, I was renowned for um, I remember 
I think the first year on the, on, on, on the squad, I think Noel Skeen looked up the back of the bus when he nearly had a, a heart attack. He was, he was like, what the, what the hell is wrong with your man there? You know, he couldn't get his head around it. But um, yeah, look, everyone has their own, um, as I said to you, we have our own spots in the dressing room, our own spots in the bus, you know. And I used to sit with be good friends with Noel Hickey and I used to sit beside Noel on the bus. And we, you know, Great, great, great time for him, and yeah, and that. But you know, he, Noel, Noel was, you know, was a quiet man as well. I think he was happy enough not to be having to make chit chat on the way up of the bus, and I was happy enough to sleep like, back and close my eyes. And you know, some of the lads, like you had the messers down the back of the bus who were doing a bit of, you know, looking at the odds and different things and doing a bit of, you know, punching. And, and then you had the lads with the, the headphones and the earphones that got bigger, progressively bigger as the years went on and progressively louder, you know. and they were sitting then in the next couple of seats, you know, zoned in, listening to their music. And my way of kind of relaxing was, was just to close my eyes, you know. So we'd leave Kilkenny and leave New Park or wherever we're leaving. And, and it, well, usually by the time we got to the motorway, I was I was, I was, was asleep, you know. Now, <laughs> not fogging it, but, you know, a light, you know, having a light seat. But it, it, that, it was just my way of relaxing, you know. Yeah. Because particularly the bigger matches, I found it, it worked for me, you know. It worked. Everyone has to find or figure out what works for them, and I liked my routine. And I found if I kept the same routine, it enables me to maintain the level of consistency. You know, that's just kind of the way I, I approach things. And my routine was to relax. You know, it, it's a long day. You know, going up to Crow Park to play in matches, and the worst thing you can do is to get too wound up too early, because by the time you get on the pitch, you're exhausted, you're flat. So it's you know it's about timing these things. You know, so you know meet the lads wherever it was, and having a bit of banter, getting on the bus, and, you know, as I said, you're slagging off racker, getting your food past deals and your, your drinks or whatever, and relaxing then until I get to Dublin to the hotel and then trying to get a bit of food into me. Um, and then obviously the journey from there on to leaving the hotel, that's where, inevitably that's where the lad started zoning in. There, was, there wasn't much laughter or that kind of thing after that. But yeah, yeah, no, I was, uh, I was a good man to sleep. No, I'd say I'd say there's photographers all over Ireland absolutely ruining themselves that they never got a photograph of you <laughs> panned out against the window of a bus travelling into Crow Park. But yeah. no, it, I, I thought it was it was very interesting when I'd heard it and fair Jews, you know, that you're able to be that relaxed or, or calm and, and, and you've given a fair reason as to it. Last three questions for you. Very simply, it's four actually. You have to just be deadly straight, deadly honest. So, tea or coffee? Coffee. JJ Delaney or Jackie Turl? <laughs> JJ. Henry or DJ? DJ Toughest opponent Outside of Kilkenny um, Shit I'm always asked this And I always keep Um, I think uh, Toughest opponent I suppose Someone I directly marked um, It's funny uh, Can I elaborate a little bit On that yeah. um, Just because I suppose the position I played Kind of changed Or evolved Over the years I was there From you know, when I started, it would have been the likes of your John Hine or Ollie Moore and for Limerick, you know, in 2007, you know, really strong physical guys. And by the time I finished, it was, well, Stephen Malumphy, it was Tony Kelly, I remember down in Cusick Park, you know, sort of very different types of players. Um, I'd say maybe Joe Canning. Joe Canning. Joe Canning. And then your toughest opponent in Kilkenny? Um, toughest opponent in Kilkenny... I'd say, actually, look, I, I suppose uh, Henry, I would have marked Henry, you know, various different, you know, we were fortunate with we loads of class players and girls on my own club through, but I always enjoyed marking Henry um, because it was the ultimate test, you know, he could 
mix it everywhere physically. He was just, you know, he was brilliant because he just, he drifted off, he'd get himself into positions in how we do it. But yeah, yeah, I suppose he, yeah, Henry would be toughest. And Keith, probably the second toughest then. Now we have it. Now we have it. <laughs> in the back yard. No, brilliant. Brian, you've been an absolute pleasure to talk to and thanks a million for taking our call this evening uh, and doing the Clash Act with us. It's it's just been very refreshing to, to hear your thoughts and, you know, best of luck in your continued retirement and in your in your management career in O'Loughlin's. Thanks a million. Thanks a million. Nice to talk to you. That's brilliant. That is, of course, Brian Hogan, Kenny Hurling legend, joining us tonight on the Clash Act. Thanks a million for listening to us, and I look forward to speaking with you all again next week. Hello, Martin here from Morrissey Motors Peugeot Kilkenny. We have the full range of environmentally friendly award-winning vehicles in petrol, diesel, hybrid and electric. Our 208, 3008 and 508 have all won Car of the Year. Our 5008 seven-seater has won SUV of the year. And not forgetting Ireland's best-selling commercial, the award-winning Partner Van. That's five in a row, Martin. It is, Brian. That's impressive. Contact the lads in Morrissey Motors, Waterford Road, Kilkenny, today.